Welcome back to the Backyard Professor live podcast. I just live just about one minute ago. <laughs> I mean, you guys are getting a boatload of materials. I'm podcasting from the Lolo National Forest up here in the Montana area in the natural wild beauty of the forests that uh, is really, you can see it back there in the background. I'm, I'm sitting at uh, another beautiful tree in the forest because I love sitting next to trees and under trees. You can see this baby is a huge, huge tree that splits way up at the top. And it's a beautiful situation. Hey, puppies. The dogs get to interrupt me. Woohoo. Last night, this morning, actually, I had the wonderful experience of being able to wake up early. And of course, out here in the forest, you're away from the city lights. And so the real beauty is the sky just is blazing with stars. You can see the constellations fantastically. You can see the band of the Milky Way. And uh, so that you can really, if, if you look long enough, you can see uh, streaks of falling stars going by. So fun stuff to get tied up with astronomy as well. Hey, JB, maybe. Yes. Live from New York City. Welcome from New York City. I don't know if he was watching Bill Real. He just got off his live. So perfect timing from my part. But uh, in looking at the constellations this morning, uh, and especially Orion, because mythologically Orion has such a powerful significance that unfortunately uh, Mormonism just does not tap into the cosmic symbolism, the use of constellations in very many of their rituals, specifically such as so many other ancient groups and cultures and religions did so. And this is too bad, but uh, Orion is one of the big ones. You can trace the, you can use the three belt stars and trace down to see Sirius. And uh, of course, Orion is a uh, hunting. Uh, he is also Perseus, who is slaying the bull in Mithraism. I have this book here that I am going to be talking about, taking information from. That's the famous icon of Mithraism, of Perseus slaying the bull. And this has been interpreted as an astronomical uh, icon, which makes a boatload of sense. But what I want to do is share a couple of ideas out of this text that uh, Carl Ruck has written, Mushrooms, Myth, and Mithras. And the parallel, the tie-in, I should say, the connection with the cosmos from an ancient Mithraic point of view, which brings in the ancient Christian point of view, which in turn really does show the paucity of the symbolism of modern-day Mormonism. I suspect Joseph Smith would have gotten more into it had he lived longer, but uh, today's Mormonism just doesn't do it. Hey, Mark Crispin, good to see you. Yeah, no, JB Maybe's here before you are, Mark. But anyway, now what is really interesting is in the heavens, following Ruck, Orion is attacking Taurus the bull who is above him. 
And it requires considerable imagination to visualize Perseus, who is similarly attacking the bull below him. So the salient feature here is the variable star Argol from the Arabic Al-Gbul, meaning the ghoul or the demon star. Now, that's interesting. They have demon stars, god stars, hunter stars, animal stars, etc. These were thought of anciently as gods, of course. This appears to vary intensely, inten- vary in intensity within a cycle of roughly three days. This represents the winking eye of the Gorgon head dangling from the arm of the hero who harvested the Gorgon head. Perseus, of course, battled the Gorgon and beat her, defeated her, the snake-headed goddess, by lopping off the head. The other stars trace the line up his arm to his shoulder and nape and then go down his torso to his groin where his legs divide, one descending to the ankle, the other one is flexed as if running. So the mooing, bellowing Gorgon head that Perseus himself harvested is an anthropomorphized mushroom. Remarkable. So the bull that he joins Orion in hunting has a similar botanical identity. And the ancient civilizations who were utilizing the astronomical aspects of the stars to present religious spiritual stories, just like I showed you yesterday with Plato's Timaeus in his dialogue, the various stories that have come down to us from ancient mythology have been literalized, which completely loses the meaning, (laughs) or else they've been ignored, which completely loses the meaning. Yeah, they were not utilized. They're not utilized today like they were in the ancient times. And it's really remarkable how the symbolism of a constellation put into a story can be symbolic of an actual ritual event. And that ritual event was the harvesting of the mushroom so that they could take an entheogenic sacrament, which in turn puts them in touch with the cosmos from where the original story began. So it's a fantastic circle. It's a beautiful cosmic cycle in including mankind. And I think that is, that's the point of why Ruck is bringing this material up. Perseus, no less than Orion and Mithras, had a manner of birth similar to mushrooms. And the most notable star, of course, is the the blazing many-colored Sirius, the dog star, which can be fleshed out as the mouth of a dog with other stars forming the body, the leg, and tail in the constellation. Canis Major. So we have these various constellations, the hunter with his hunting dog going after the bull, which represents the mushroom, which in turn puts the people who are overgoing or undertaking the ritual to get their cosmic connection. I, I, I think that is just so fantastic how this all works. So the dog spittle was also seen as the source of honey 
sucked up and alchemically digested by the bees. So the mad dog, Sirius, the dog star in Canis Major, is identified as a dog in numerous cultures. For the Chinese, it's actually identified as the heavenly wolf. And so it has rabies, and that's why it's foaming at the mouth, of course, from their point of view and their context. The celestial intoxicating honey is what most concerns us in this context. The Greeks, Syrios, the word Greek Syrios, is the same root found in the one of sirens, and these are the enchantresses. In other words, they are like the mystery hierophants in the Eleusinian mysteries. Only now we're later down the line in chronology into Mithraism. But it's the same principles, the same ritual is having a connection to climb that ladder or to climb the Axis Mundi, whatever you want to call it, uh, Jacob's ladder in the Old Testament, the tree, the shamans in Siberia climbed up the cosmic tree to get to their heavenly ascent to receive very vital knowledge to help save the culture. Then they came back down and shared that knowledge. That was key to the ancient mysteries. And all of this stuff is running through my mind last night or early this morning when I was out looking at the stars and checking out the uh, the constellations because I'm in this forest and so it's away from the city lights and it was a beautiful scene. So a lot of fun. Hey, Gail Capson, how are you? So this is interesting. Sirius is also identified with Iacos, a doublet of Dionysus. Very interesting. And... Hecate is the patroness of pharmaceutical witchcraft. She also is tied in with this. The Taurus region of the Zodiac was obviously Mithraic. It obviously has, I should say, Mithraic implications. So we interpret the sacrifice of the lamb in Christianity as the sign of the dawning new age of Pisces the fish, which became a Christian symbol symbol. And so similarly, the intersection of the celestial equator with the solar ecliptic, and this is where Mithras sacrificed himself as the bull prefigured the crucifixion of the Christ. Now, this is fascinating because the idea of the eternal sacrifice in order to give life. As we harvest the mushroom, it is sacrificed. Yet that sacrifice gives us our spiritual life as it opens up our brains, giving us the chance to make that celestial ascent. So there is a sacrifice in order to get the gift of the eternal life. And it's always a sacrifice of something lesser for a sacrifice of something greater, for, for a reception, I should say, of something greater. So a sacrifice is never downward. It's always upward, which is really remarkably interesting. So this is quite fun. So the process of projecting these same metaphoric patterns upon the celestial dome continued. The constellation of Aries has a configuration very similar to the horned bull of Taurus, 
the, the head of Taurus. And mythically, this was the golden ram. Now, Ares is the golden ram, and we're right back into ancient Greek mythology, aren't we? The golden fleece. Jason on the Argo going to get the golden fleece. This is about a journey to acquire the power, the ability, I'll say, of getting eternal life. And it was through entheogenic processes in the ancient cultures. This is always so fascinating to me. And, of course, the fleece was hung where? On the sacred tree, just like Jesus. Very interesting. This is deliberate, interesting, fascinating symbolism from all the ancient cultures. There's always that tree, which, of course, is the connector to the, to the heavens and the earth. So you're always going to get something like that. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you pick a, a pole, a tree, a ladder. It doesn't matter what. It's not a literal anyway. It's a symbolic aspect. To literalize that is absolutely ludicrous to do. And yet so many people do do that. So it's fascinating how that works. So uh, this sacred tree, the golden apple and the hero, Jason, Jason is known as the drug man. His name does equate with being a drug man, a pharmaceutical representative, so to speak. He knew how to work with the ritualized aspects of entheogens. Jason and the Golden Fleece. It's fascinating. Carl Ruck expresses that in one of his other books. I'll do that uh, podcast in another time. Perseus accomplished the same thing by plucking the mushroom at Mycenae and harvesting the head of the Gorgon Medusa, which symbolized the head of a mushroom. It's fascinating there also, isn't it? So what we have here, as much as a star map, this thing, this is not so much of a star map. He's disagreeing with David Ulancey in his excellent discussion of the uh, constellate the whole the whole thing being a constellation of a certain segment of the sky is Ulanti's approach. I personally rather like that. Ruck has a little bit different uh, nuance, where he says the drama in the skies is being reenacted here on Earth through the earthly human rituals, which give it its greater context and meaning, which is always fun. So the slaughter of the bull by the hero deity it represents, whether the Gorgon, Perseus, or the cosmic bull and Mithras, is at basis a myth of the harvest of the sacred plant and its cosmological or its astronomical ramifications in the cutter-sterilization of its attendant agents. So this is what is so fascinating to me, this communion with the astro-theological deities from his central position on Earth at the celestial equator is where he's sitting, and he is, in fact, actually inside the cosmic cave that becomes our world when he performs the fateful deed of the sacrifice and then the consumption of the meal, the entheogenic meal. So the planets and the zodiac configurations, these all participate in establishing the gates and the pathways for the recycling and this recycling occurs with the heavenly elixir as well as the thirsting sparks of life nourished upon it. 
And so that's kind of just a brief, quick rundown of this theme again, because as we tap intellectually, mentally into our own sky, studying the constellations, we begin to study the meaning of the constellations. You know, we always think, well, these old stories, they're hero stories, which is very proper. They are, they are hero stories. And make no mistake about it, Christ is in that hero story as well, even though, interestingly enough, all of the stars were taken up as constellations before Jesus showed up. So the prefiguring of various kinds of symbols that Christians tried so hard, <laughs> and I mean, you know, you got to, you you have to ask, why was it so stringent? Why was it felt to be so necessary to make Jesus fundamentally unique when in fact he wasn't? It doesn't take anything away from him at all that he wasn't unique. See, there's the catch. Uh, Christians have a hard time grasping this. And it also doesn't necessarily mean that it denigrates Jesus and makes him just another man. That's not what it means either. There is a, uh, there's a fine tuning involved in all of the mythological stories with an abundant amount of them having to do with the sky and the way the constellations interacted with each other from the heavens. Well, they say on earth as it is in heaven, right? So on earth, they turn the sky into stories for our appreciation and consumption. And when we imitate the heavenly pattern, when we, when we put ourselves in the order of the heavenly order, then we begin to gain the celestial powers, the celestial life. This is the theory. This is the basis of operation that so many of the ancient cultures including Christianity, had until later, unfortunately, in history, <laughs> when Constantine made Christianity the official state religion, then they became enemy number one. They simply murdered everybody else and dominated the scene, and they destroyed all of the pagan mysteries because for whatever reason, they felt intimidated, they felt threatened that there were ancient parallels to Jesus, and they believed he should have been 100% unique. Now, the parallel here is interesting with, with Mormonism, because the assumption is, well, Joseph Smith has to uh, be in a vacuum. Um, every, all of his let's say all of his experiences, all of his knowledge and teachings, the root of where that came from had to have been through revelation only. Joseph Smith couldn't be allowed to have interacted with his environment. He couldn't, he couldn't have been taught something so magnificent as pre-mortal existence spirits by someone here on earth. No, that has to be a heavenly revelation because the doctrine is so interesting. Somewhere along the line, Mormonism has kind of picked this up, and it's really not necessarily that way. 
There isn't a necessity for having Joseph Smith must be unique, separate from his environment any more than to have Jesus unique and separate from his environment. Because in antiquity, all of the heroes and the gods, it doesn't matter whether you, you depict them in battles doesn't matter if it's an earthly battle here or if it's a heavenly battle there or if it's an interaction with a heavenly and an earthly battle. All of the heroes, all of the gods, all of the mankind and womankind and our experiences are interrelated. They're all essentially the same thing thing and it's happening over and over again because the universe as plato tried to teach in his timaeus as i talked about yesterday it is a living organism and this this wholeness with all of the different parts well if something's being done right there's no reason to try to change it what has changed is our ability to comprehend the story our ability to understand how to integrate the story into our lives so that it's the same as what was had in the ancient mysteries. And yet, that is what was had in the ancient mysteries for millennia, and it accomplished the goal. So as we learn, perhaps, hopefully, as we learn to begin to take the ancients a little bit more seriously in our grasp, in our understanding, perhaps there is a way in our secular divided society at this point in time. And it's getting worse because everyone is making everyone else enemies. Now, if you have the sin of even daring to think differently, and that's palpably stupid. That's not a basis on which to build a society at all. And yet that seems to be where we're heading. This is how the ancient mysteries, this is how the acquisition of the understanding of how they pulled in the knowledge from the sky and integrated it into our lives right now today in an enveloping spirituality, which is inclusive of the other which is, as David Feidler showed in his magnificent Restoring the World Soul book, there is an interweaving of sameness and difference. And they are together to put together the whole. We need to realize we really can accept the other. It doesn't matter what their skin color. It doesn't matter what they believe. We are all the same humanity. And that also is interwoven with our differences, whether they are sexual, whether they are religious, whether they are political, none of that has any relevance. The common theme of humanity is what we need to be emphasizing again in our society. And the study of the ancient mythologies can help us integrate that. So that's what I wanted to talk about today in this live. It's a short live. I apologize. I, I'm out here in this forest and I'm I'm hiking around and I'm taking videos. I am going to make another video. I also wanted to make an announcement while most of you are here. Um, 
tomorrow I'm going to end up being traveling back home. And so I probably won't get to do the uh, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock Sunday school. And I may not make the Sunday night, six o'clock fireside either. What I will do is I will do those on Monday. If I can't keep, keep your eye. I know I'm not going to be able to do the Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. There's, it's just not going to happen. I'll be on the road. Maybe there's a chance I can do the fireside at six. If not, I will do it on Monday. So just so you know, uh, I'm going to put it off for a day. And so anyway, I want, Hey, Heather, uh, I'm just closing out. I apologize. I was just going to, I'm doing a quick short, uh, live session to let you guys know that I'm having fun up here in the Lolo national forest during the day. I'm doing my hikes and during the evening and in the early morning hours, I have been enjoying looking at the constellations. So I talked about the value of the constellations in a study for our own spirituality. And that's what this live is all about. So Anyway, I'm going to close out. I'm done uh, for now. I apologize for making it this short. Uh, some of them will end up being longer. Don't forget the backyardprofessor.org. I have 27 new podcasts up and available for your listening pleasure. I am really hopping on it on the backyardprofessor.org podcasts. Come and join me there. And if you don't mind, hit the donate button. Just, I mean, even a dollar a month helps. It doesn't matter how much that's irrelevant to me, but uh, just give me a quick hello, do a one-time donation, a recurring donation, however you want to do it. It's all good. It all comes out in the wash. So I will continue producing good quality informational content for you, my wonderful audience. And in the meantime, remember, for the rest of the day, you guys have a great day. I am going to go. I have found where some deer are. I'm going to go get some excellent video of some wildlife in the forest. And uh, I will put that video together and I'll try to see if I can get it uploaded on Monday. So you'll enjoy that also. So be good. Do well. Have fun. Thanks for showing up. I appreciate all of you. You have a great weekend for the rest of the weekend. And this is me signing off until potentially, possibly tomorrow night at six. If not, then I will do it on Monday. So I'll see you then. Have a great day, you guys. Thanks for coming by. Now go have a good Saturday.